and welcome to episode number 194 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrews, Brad Allen. We run through all of the games. It is week 14 already in the NFL, guys. I cannot believe this. Where in the hell did the season go? We're going to be talking about the playoffs and the Super Bowl here before we know it. If you want to follow Steven on the Twitter machine at Steven Andrus one, if you want to follow Brad, you can follow him at Brad Allen NFL. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two guys, let's go ahead and kick things off here with first game on the board, the Ravens and the Browns right now. The Browns are two and a half to three point home favorites over the Ravens, a total of 42 and a half to 43 in this. We know what we're getting here in both of these teams. We're getting one of the weirdest schedule quirks I think I've ever seen where the Browns where the Browns last played the Ravens got to go on by and come back from the by and play the Ravens again with the Ravens having a game in between. So if there's any sort of scheduling favoritism here, it is uh, certainly going to be there for the Browns on the Ravens side of things. We know, look, they went for two. They didn't get it. They lose the game. It is what it is. They go down. Uh, they go down. One of their best players, if not the best player on defense for them and Marlon Humphrey. So not great for them on that aspect. And of the laundry list of injuries that Baker Mayfield has been dealing with, at least he's had a, a week to try and get some of those things to feeling better for him. Brad, I'll start with you on this one. Um, look, we got a short spread home team that is coming off a bye that is got the luxury of watching the team that they last played play a week of games and then get to play them again. Um, we know what the Ravens are coming off of as well. What are you looking at here in this one? Um, I bet the Browns here. I mean, I, mm. I bet the Browns two weeks ago at yeah, three yeah. and a half and obviously got diddled <laughs> by that late field goal. But um, yeah. I, I, I still thought it was the right side, essentially. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the matchup from then was the offensive line is bad. They cannot block Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, and, and the rest of the gang. And the Ravens' offensive line is now weaker. They lost their right tackle. They, they, they couldn't block Pittsburgh last week. I think it was six sacks for Pittsburgh, something like that. TJ Watt got 12 pressures or something. He was just going berserk. And I, I, don't, I don't really see how it's different this week, right? Mm. Now you've got fresh Browns defensive line going up uh, against this sort of more injured Ravens unit. Um, and then Lamar, you know, that. There's the little bit of this book out now on, on how to how to tackle him. Um, last three Miami Thursday night game where they threw a load of zero blitz at him. He's been blitzed 54 times in those last three games and he's got a 9.4 QBR. So, you know, that's out of 100. That's really terrible. Mm. Um, so they, they can't block him straight up and I suspect they'll send some blitzes as well. So I don't see that going well for them. And then when the... The Ravens have have no players left. Like they, they yeah, yeah. to me, they've they've not been a good team all year, right? They've been running out of corners all year, and Marlon Humphrey is kind of the the last good player. You know, they could kind of he was kind of their queen on the chessboard. Mm. They would man him up on whoever, um, and then you know go around their blitz packages. But they don't really have anyone now. You know, their best player left is maybe Anthony Avery, who teams were picking on when Humphrey was in there. So. You know, he, he's your best corner now. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, the Browns aren't prolific, but I think they'll be taking some shots, you know, run, run, play action to Donovan Peoples-Jones or whoever. And I can see them just scoring, you know, I think 20 will will be enough to cover the two and a half, to be honest. Yep. So, Stephen, I know you are not necessarily opposite of the thinking of Brad and I on this one, but you do have an alternate way that you're going about play in this game. Yeah, the, the line movement here has been wild. The look ahead was minus one for the Ravens. They lose to the Steelers on that two-point conversion at the end of the game. 
And now I'm seeing plus three popping in a couple spots here. It's juiced, but we're moving towards plus three here, plus two and a half at most spots as we record this on Thursday. But there is a three now. So the, the this thing is getting steamed. And listen, I, I see your depleted Ravens secondary, but I raise you a terrible wide receiver core for the Cleveland Browns. And I think we need to remember still that this Cleveland Browns offense has not scored 20 points in most of their games in recent memory. They've scored 20 points in one of their past seven games. The Houston Texans have scored 20 points in two of their past seven games. Like this is how bad they've been. So I'm not sure that I want to take the worst of the number here at this point with Cleveland, with this crazy line movement. And now we're kind of in teaser territory for the Baltimore Ravens. We're at plus two and a half in a lot of spots. Tease that up through the three, through the seven. It is a low total in this game between 42 and 43. I think it's a nice spot here. Just a patented teaser leg here for Baltimore. I understand all your concerns with it, but who do I trust more to bounce back offensively at this point? And I still think it's Lamar Jackson to at least do enough to cover a touchdown or better this week in a teaser leg. Yeah, I get you. I mean, I could see this thing being low scoring. I think both things can be true. I prefer to just play the Browns at two and a half as opposed at under a field goal as opposed to the eight and a half on the Ravens. You talk about the uh, Browns not scoring points. And so save that one blowout against uh, New England. They The defense has, has given up since week seven in the NFL. They've given up 14, 15, 16, uh, 10, and then 16 points. So they've also not given up 20 points in these games either, right? And so this defense has been playing super, super well again, save that one game where they got blown out against the uh, against the New England Patriots. And so uh, I, I think that there's a chance they put up 20 and then they could even still cover the eight and a half and a teaser leg, which is why I don't want to play the Ravens in a teaser leg here. I think that the Ravens... Just Raven, give me 13 points, man. The, Just give me 13 points, Lamar. The, the, the Browns could up 20, and then I think that there's a there's a decent chance that the that the Ravens only put up 10. And so um, I, I'm, on, I'm on the Browns here in this one as under a field goal favorites. They run the ball. They're going to run the ball more effectively. Kareem Hunt has another week on, on the bye for him to get more worked in back into this offense as well. I think that makes this offense a little bit more what they want it to be as well. So uh, a lot of things here kind of signaling for me on the Browns Cowboys at the Washington football team right now this thing has moved it is at four four and a half now in favor of the Cowboys a total of 47 and a half 48 guys I have bet this one I did bet the Dallas Cowboys I bet the Dallas Cowboys at three and a half however which is no longer available what I will say is there's not a real big difference between three and a half and four so other than, you know, you, you're, you're raising your push, you're, you're raising your push uh, probability here. That being said, I would still play it at four with the Cowboys. Um, here's the thing. I think Washington and it's a fine story and they've certainly looked a whole lot better here uh, of late. But I think what we're really kind of missing with all of this is, listen, at the end of the day, they don't have enough playmakers here, I think, to keep up 
with the Dallas Cowboys scoring the football. And I understand that Dallas, Dallas didn't look good last week as well. And I'm going under the assumption that another week is going to get Amari Cooper's lungs back and he's going to be able to run a full complement of snaps. And now you really do have that trio of wide receivers in this game where the big weakness of this Washington football team all year long has been the secondary. I think they should be able to get passed all over in this game. And now the loss of Logan Thomas for this for the Washington football team, I think can't be understated here. I like this team a whole lot better when I thought Logan Thomas was going to be out there because he has kind of gotten to that point where he's kind of like that. I don't know. What would you call it? The safety blanket. Yeah. Like the, I mean, he's not Kittle or Kelsey, but he is definitely in that second tier of tight ends in the NFL at this point. And now that he's gone for the season, um, I just don't think that they have the firepower here to keep up with the Cowboys. And so I played it at three and a half. I don't hate it at four. Steven, what say you? I say this is the most expensive price that we've seen for the Washington football team at this point. If you're backing them at this point, you're buying high on Washington instead of buying low. And this is a price that we potentially would have seen early in the season when we all thought they would be the defending NFC East champions, right? Like that, the, the situation has changed despite their recent four game winning streak. So uh, if you look at closing lines, the market has this more of like a six point game on a neutral field. Um, if you look at the recent winning streak for Washington, their defense is still 23rd and 20th in EPA and success rate in that span. Their offense is top 10 in EPA and success rate, but they've also had three of those four games against a Carolina defense, Seattle defense, and the Raiders defense. So in that same span, the Dallas defense, fifth and first in EPA per play and success rate. They also played a, a fairly soft schedule of offenses, but regardless, still ranked higher than what this Washington improved offense has done. The look ahead line was Dallas minus five. I'm quite happy to get a point discount at this point. I'm with you. I've, I have bet Dallas minus four at this point. So uh, I think when Dallas is healthy, which is this week coming off the bye, this is the healthiest, health, healthiest, healthiest, there if I go. could speak. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, off a of mini buy here. I, I think it's a great spot. I think when they're healthy, they're one of the seven or eight teams that you can make an argument as being one of the best in the league. And we're back to that point now. Brad, what say you here? Cowboys, four, four and a half point favorites on the road at Washington. Um, yeah, I had a little tickle of the under here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Cowboys stats are pretty interesting here. So since like weeks one to six, um, Dak was in there. Obviously, they were you know smashing everyone. Dak had that calf injury, sat out a couple of weeks, but since then they've been 29th in EPA on offense. Um, now there, there has been a lot going on. Um, obviously, they Tyron Smith missed some games. Um, the receivers have both missed games. So you know, I'm not suddenly thinking they're a bad offense, but I think it is also fair to say that Dak has he's missed some throws that he wasn't missing in the start of the season. Um, you know, so. There is some speculation that his ankle is uh, that his calf is still bothering him, mm. um, and then on the other side of the ball, this Cowboys defense. This is a, this is fully fledged again. You know they've now got um, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and uh, Micah Parsons all back in there, um, possibly for the first time in in months. And I think they're going to terrorize this Washington offensive line. Um, it's been good, but I'm, I'm not sure they've faced a pass rush like this. Um, and then, so the stats on Dallas's defense, even before they've got these three back, um, third in the NFL in dropback success rate allowed, uh, and fourth in dropback EPA allowed. So, 
you know, this is, this is they're already playing like a top five defense, and now they're getting healthier as well. Um, so I kind of think they they shut Washington down. Um, and then, as I say, that they've not been playing like the Cowboys offense you might expect. So at mm-hmm. 48, 48 and a half on a on a sort of slow grass field, um, I thought that was a, a potential value. Kansas City Chiefs are hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chiefs sitting right now as nine, nine and a half point favorites, a total of 47 and a half or 48 in this one. I don't think any of us have any bets in our account, so we'll run through this just really, really quick. Um, Brad, look, the Chiefs are going to win. How much do they win by? You know, the offense has not looked great. The defense has looked really good here of late, which is a complete 180 from where we were at the beginning of the season with this team. It's still kind of confusing to me um, where they stand in the whole thing. I mean, listen, they could win by they could win by touchdown in this one. The Raiders cover wouldn't shock me. They could win this thing by 17 because the Raiders, you know, the kind of floundering here wouldn't shock me either. I, I don't like these type of games where I don't, you know, where any sort of outcome doesn't uh, wouldn't shock me at all. So uh, pass for me. What do you think here about the Chiefs and, and Raiders? Yeah, I mean. It's, I think it's quite a simple handicap. It's can the Raiders play cover too, right? Because, yeah. you know, the Chiefs, I think four of Patrick Mahomes' five worst career performances ever by EPA have come in the last six weeks. And it's, you know, it's against teams like the Broncos, like the Packers, who can play that cover two mm-hmm. shell. The only team that he's done well against is the Raiders because they decided they either couldn't or didn't want to. They played their cover three and they got shredded. I, I think it is the personnel thing, right? Yeah. Because... You know, you've got to have Jonathan Abrams as a deep safety. You've got to have Denzel Perryman, who's he's a you know he's a run thumping linebacker. You've got to ha- have him in dropping into zone, and I, I just don't think they can really play it. So my, I, I suspect the Chiefs probably get healthy again this week, but personally, I, I don't think they're back, um, and I'll, I'll be looking to to bet against them as soon as we can. Maybe next week against the Chargers. Stephen, what do you say here? Uh, nine, nine and a half, too much here, or uh, or you think that this is a, could be a double digit win here for the Chiefs? I think the line is right. I don't see value in betting on either side. I will say this, though, as we record this on Thursday morning, there is an eight and a half out there, which puts them in the teaser zone, which I think is an absolute gift to be able to get the Chiefs down below the seven and below the three here. So uh, I'm probably going to hop in my car, run from Louisville, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. across the bridge to the beautiful state of Indiana (laughs) where sports betting is legal and lock in a teaser here with the Kansas City Chiefs at that minus two and a half with another leg I like this week. So really great week. Great week for teasers, by the way. We'll get into more of that as we go through here. But um, to Brad's point, the Raiders aren't one of these defenses that adjust their game plan based on the opponent. Like they are stubborn. They just play cover three for the most part of the entire season. I, I do think they it goes back to the deal though. It, it's personnel. Like they just don't have the guys. They, they're not able to be multiple on the defensive side of the ball. There's just not the dudes out there. It was built. It was built a certain way where they're just not, they're not interchangeable. Yeah. They're not able to move around. Yeah. So, I mean, they're playing mostly cover three, which for those that don't know, it's three deep, three deep and then zone underneath with the other four. And they're not blitzing. So they're just rushing four um, at the passer here. And the Chiefs O line has been too good. Third and pass block win rate, sixth in adjusted sack yards. So the rushing four doesn't work for the Raiders against this Chiefs offense. Uh, so the last point I'll mention is about this Kansas City defense, which I think is interesting. But to Brad's point, I'm not sure the offense is playing well enough to overcome uh, 
that in future weeks. So I'm with you. I'm going to be looking for spots to play against the Chiefs here as we come down the stretch. But it is interesting, at least that since week eight, the Chiefs defense is third in EPA per play allowed and overall for the season. Now, top 10 blitz rate that is getting home for a number three overall pressure rate. So um, this is not the same Chiefs defense that we were railing on earlier in the season. Seattle Seahawks on the road at the Houston Texans. The Seahawks are seven and a half point road favorites here over the uh, Houston Texans. The t- uh, total 41, 41 and a half. Steven, this you talk about a, a week of teasers. This obviously fits so incredibly nicely here because let's just be for real. As bad as the Seahawks have been, the Texans are the worst team in the NFL. They have no players. Apparently, the locker room now, we're getting all this stuff about the locker room is breaking up. The GM comes out, doesn't say that Cully's going to be back next year, which means he won't be. So there's just yep. all kinds of things going on here to fade the Texans. You guys know we've been done doing this podcast for a couple of years now. I hate the Seahawks. I hate the makeup of the Seahawks. I hate the coaching staff of the Seahawks. I hate everything about the Seahawks outside of Russell Wilson. But with Mallet Finger, I even hate Russell Wilson. So you know how much I hate the Seahawks. And I think this is a slam dunk teaser leg from seven and a half down to one and a half. I do not see them losing this game to the Houston Texans whatsoever. Tyrod Taylor has been playing so incredibly horrible to the point where he's getting benched and all of that. I mean, everything is going against this Texans team. And so, yes, slam dunk brain dead teaser leg of the week for the Seattle Seahawks. Steven, I imagine this ended up in your account as well. Oh, 100%. Matt, I just, I only have one question about this. This line reopened at the start of the week at seven and a half. It hasn't moved. That's freaking me out a little bit, man. Like you would think that people would be on the Seahawks here against the terrible. Why? Why hasn't this line moved? Well, like, it's can it, you help me. Out? Yeah, I mean, it's on the other side of a touchdown. And I mean, if you look at the power rankings, right? I mean, yeah, I have the Texans 32nd, but I've got the I've got the Seahawks like 25th. You know, I mean, it's not like there's like this huge difference in these two teams and certainly probably not a, t- you know, not a touchdown difference in these two teams. I mean, if yeah. I had to play this thing straight side, I would I'd probably take the seven and a half with the Texans if we're being perfectly honest, but I don't have to do that. They allow me the opportunity to move this thing down to a point and a half. And so, so that's why I went that direction. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Minus one and a half on the teaser leg. It is the lowest total of the week at just 41. Our senior writer, Mo Nawara, agrees this is one of his teaser legs. You can read his teaser leg analysis on the lines.com right now. And I just want to, I just want to talk for a minute about how hilarious this Texans team is, because I don't think I've ever seen this in my life covering the NFL. These are the categories the Texans are dead last in both DVOA pass and rush offense, PFF pass and rush grade, yards per play, run block win rate, early down success, points per play, dead last in adjusted line yards. You can't get worse than that. Like that is literally the worst I have ever seen covering the NFL. And now they are spending this week splitting the quarterback reps in practice between Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor. So now neither of them will get a full week of practice reps to get ready for this game. So, yeah, this should go well for Houston this week. Brad, we get a team and that's like like Steven just mentioned. I mean, they're 
they're horrible on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, to historic levels. I mean, outside of all those categories where he said that that they're dead last. I mean, they're they're 29th in adjusted sack rate. They're 27th in pressure allowed. They're 31st in yards per rush. 29th in yards per pass. I mean, they're still in the bottom three, four, or five in every single one of the other categories that they're not dead last. And so. It, it gets to a point where you look and you say like, yeah, I mean, Seattle kind of sucks, but Houston really, really sucks. And sometimes you just have to go with that as the as your handicap for a game. Yeah. I mean, to, to Stephen's question last week, obviously the Colts only went off minus 10 here. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah. you can't really push the Seahawks up that much higher. I mean, obviously the minus 10 proved to be like better the year and they won 35 nil or something. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't have a strong view here. I will just say quickly that the Seahawks, obviously they won that game last week, but that was a pretty fraudulent final. Um, it was. You know, they, yeah, they scored 30. They had a 74-yard touchdown on a fake punt. They had another touchdown drive that began at the 28-yard line from an interception. Um, it was actually the ninth worst performance of Russell Wilson's career by um, by expected points added uh, out of 169 starts from Russell. So I think he's definitely improving, um, you know, with his, with his mallet finger, but, you know, I'm not sure they're all the way back yet. Uh, I can't wait because uh, in just a second, we'll be talking some more mallet finger as well. Jacksonville Jaguars on the road at the Tennessee Titans. This thing has come down a little bit. And, you know, listen, if this is the week of the teaser for Steven, this thing has fallen into teaser range for the Tennessee Titans. They're coming off of a bye. They're going to get Julio Jones back as well. It is eight and a half at DraftKings. It's nine everywhere else, but you can get eight and a half at DraftKings. 43 and a half is the total uh, 44 as well. If you're looking to play an under Brad, when we take a look here, I mean, look, the Jags, if the Texans are the very clear 32 after the Lions finally got the win, I think the Jags are the very clear 31 as far as the power rankings go. The the pretty clear second worst team in the NFL can't do anything at all on the offensive side of the ball and the defense not playing um, not, not like not necessarily the worst defense in the world they're kind of like this like bend 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 then eventually break they don't it's not the bend don't break defense it's like you don't just score and score really quickly against them it's just like you get a whole bunch of yardage (laughs) over and over and over again and then you finally get in the end zone and score points against them so not a lot to love on the jag side of things and again we're still dealing with you know aj brown being injured we're still dealing with um of course derrick henry being out for tennessee but they did get a bye so if there were any nagging injuries for the guys that are out there they should be feeling a little bit better yeah i mean julio is obviously the the big question mm-hmm. on the tennessee offense um i mean he was at practice there are a few clips of him doing running some routes um so if he goes then you know that's, that's obviously huge for that offense so they're, they're not running out replacement level receivers um i quite like the under 44 here um i mean i if you look at Tennessee's defensive stats, they're still not that good, really. Yeah. Um, but I would say they're probably better than their stats. Definitely the defensive line is, is I think, one of the best in the NFL. You remember what they did to like the Rams mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what they have in them when they're not super banged up on the, on the back end. Um, and this, this Jacksonville offense is, is still terrible. They're still 
can't space their outs on offense. They're still receivers just running into each other down the field. Um, Lacron, Laquan Treadwell is their number one option at the minute. Um, James, James, drops James Robinson is like their best player and he's getting benched when he fumbles and stuff because Urban yeah. Meyer's like, Urban Meyer's like, I'll teach you a lesson, kid. Best player that I have on the team right now. Like the only playmaker yeah. I have. Why don't you go sit down for two quarters? Yeah, yeah I mean, because when you want a lesson in discipline, you go to Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's what we're dealing with this team. So, yeah, I, I don't see Jacksonville scoring that many points. Um, and then I don't know if Tennessee can score that many either nowadays. Um, you know, 22nd in offensive DVOA, um, without, obviously without their running back. And what's interesting, you know, there was that huge debate about Derek Henry, you know, does he matter? And two things two things appear to be true. One, he probably did matter somewhat because they built that offense around him and the way he runs. But also the offensive coordinator thinks he matters because he stopped calling play action and... Mm. You know, Tannehill's just not a drop back passer. That's, that's not what he does. But, uh, you know, play action would probably still work for him, but they've just stopped calling it. So, yeah, I, I thought under 44 was uh, potentially worth a look. Stephen, we get a, uh, you know, we get a Titans team here that I think is more one of the more confusing teams there is because at full strength I think that they've proven what they can actually do on the football field but then with these key injuries you just look and he's like oh wow is this like did they just go from like a top six seven team in the league to literally like a below the middle of the pack type team just because of a couple of injuries and I think the answer is probably pretty clearly yes because of the the lack of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball that said you're not going to need a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars who basically can only score about 13 points per game. So uh, that being said, do you think that where we sit right now is a fair line or do you think that maybe it's a little bit too much? It is in the teaser zone for the Titans, but this is the one teaser leg I stayed away from because I still think this number is more about what the Titans were as opposed to what they are now. So Matt, we do our power rankings for the lines every week. We've talked about it a couple times in the past, but a reminder, we rank the teams one through 32 on who we would have favored on a neutral field this week. You put them at 19 and you were the generous one. I had them at 20. We had senior members of the staff have them at 22 and 23. Based on that, this line for me can never be more than a touchdown. This is not the same Tennessee Titans team. So here I am again. It's week 14, and I'm betting Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jagoffs for the third <laughs> time this season, knowing that they could go full kamikaze pilot on me. But the number was dumb, so prepare for takeoff. Make sure your seat backs and tray tables are <laughs> upright and locked position. Jags plus 10, I bet, earlier this week. God help me. Since coming out of the bye week, week seven, the Jags have scored seven points, nine points, 17 points, 10 points, 14 points, and seven points this past week. They're not good at scoring the football, but fortunately, Stephen, all they have to do is keep it. They don't have to score a ton if they can keep it within 10. So that, that's what we'll. That's what you got going for you here this week, and uh, hopefully it works out for you, brother. Godspeed. Godspeed on this one. New Orleans Saints uh, on the road uh, uh, at the New York Jets. And this is where and we got another mallet finger game here, guys. Uh, the Saints are five and a half point road favorites. Forty two and a half to forty three is your total. Stephen, um, none of us have a bet in on this one. I know you were at least flirting with one. I this is the game for me. I think I want 
I probably won't even watch this week. I want absolutely nothing to do at all with this game. I mean, look, you got a quarterback that's not good in the first place who's going to try to play through mallet finger, and you've got the New York Jets on the other side of the field. So for me, it'll it, look. I have a limited amount of televisions. I got a lot of TVs in my living room. I got. I don't have enough to put this one up on the, the screen. I'll put it that way. Like you know, if there's like CFL going on at the same time, I think CFL will probably get a screen as opposed to this one. Um, what in the world is is making you want to bet this? one i haven't bet it yet but i'm thinking about it uh interesting to me that this number moved towards the jets earlier this week got as low as five i think and we're back to five and a half now i would need six to consider the jets and seven would be an auto bet but i don't think we're going to get there at this point Seven is about what most power ratings have these two teams on a neutral field, but this Saints team has regressed a lot. The biggest factor for me is they just keep losing players. I know Alvin Kamara looks like he might be back this week, but their tackles to Ron Armstead was limited Wednesday. Ryan Ramchek still didn't practice again Wednesday. Their defensive end Cam Jordan's on the COVID list. Mark Ingram's on the COVID list. They just cut Kenny Stills and wide receiver Deontay Harris is now suspended, who was happening to be one of their more um, higher snap count wide receivers at this point in the season. Their linebacker, Pete Werner, DMP on Wednesday. Marcus Davenport was limited. So they, they just have that's I, we haven't even mentioned all the other players that were early season starters that are already on IR. So I, they're just running out of players and the Jets have kept it within seven against a handful of mediocre offenses this year, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Falcons, the Titans. I'd put the Saints offense in that category at this point. So, uh, And since week eight, the Jets offense has been 11th in EPA and fourth in success rate, far better than the Saints offense, which is below the top 25 in both of those categories. So I haven't bet it yet. I need six to consider it, but that's kind of just where I'm at. Believe it or not, I have more faith in the Jets offense than I do the Saints. Yeah, I mean, look, if a six popped, it would be at least minimally interesting for me on the Jets side. That being said, I'm just super, super down on the Saints. I have been all year. Uh, I did before the season, even coming into the season, I was down on the Saints. And so, um, you know, with all the injuries, with the way that things are playing out, with the choice to go with Taysom Hill at quarterback, with Mallet Finger, there's just all kinds of things for me that lead me to uh, to want to bet against this team. Brad, that being said, it's the Jets that I would have to be betting on. Corey Davis had to go to the IR because he had core muscle surgery. So now their big free agent acquisition not going to be out there for, for this team to try to make some plays and whatnot, which just gives me a whole lot of pause. And like I said, probably just a, t- just a game that'll, that will exist out in the ether for me. I don't even know if I watch a single snap. What do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, I was, I was tempted a little bit by the under again. I seem to have bet every under on the board. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, those Jets stats, I'll, I'd be careful of them because a lot of them were not Zach Wilson. Um, you know, he, he's got a 25 QBR on the season, six touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Um, you know, they scored three touchdowns last week against the Eagles, but then they got shut out the second half. The first touchdown they scored came off like an 80 yard kick return. So, you know, I, I still think he's pretty bad, basically. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's still a good Saints defense. They should get Davenport back this week. He was, he was limited practice. Um, and then, you know, this is the fifth offense, fifth defense by DVOA, um, the second ranked defense by um, PFF. So I think the Saints, they definitely be able to confuse them. They do a lot of, they do a lot of sort of shifting up coverages late, dropping safeties that don't look like they're dropping. Um, you know, they confused Dak a couple of times 
in that Thursday night game. So I, I think Zach Wilson might be a little bit at sea. And then, you know, do we trust Mallet Finger Taysom Hill to to ravage the, the Jets? Um, I, I don't personally. I think there'll probably be a lot of running, you know, a lot of Alvin Kamara into the line. So what, 43 and a half? You know, again, that I, I would only look to the under there. Atlanta Falcons on the road at the Carolina Panthers. And we have an oppo situation here, boys. I am on the Atlanta Falcons plus three. I guess in theory, one of us could win and one of us could push. But then that's just not the greatest thing in the world because Brad is on Carolina Panthers minus two and a half in this one. A total of 42, 42 and a half. Brad, I will give you the floor to state your case as to why you like the Carolina Panthers here at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Um, I mean, I think well, the key matchup, you know, we, we discussed this game when they first played and the key matchup was Carolina's defensive line, um, which is second in pressure rate, second in pass rush win rate, pass rush win rate against the, um, the Falcons offensive line, 29th in pass block win rate. Um, and that first game, they were, they were all over Matt Ryan. I think they had a 40% pressure rate and the Falcons scored 13 points. Um, what's different this time around? To me, nothing. So I suppose, you know, the question, and I'm, I'm guessing your angle, Matt, is it's got to be that Carolina's not going to score either, um, which, you know, they might not. Obviously, Cam had like the worst performance of any quarterback ever in that <laughs> Miami game. I think it was like historically bad um, completion percentage over expectation. Um, I would say that that game, they could not block the Dolphins. They were sending all sorts of blitzes. The offensive line was a mess. I'm not sure Atlanta is capable of the same thing. And we'll, we'll also probably see a more cam-focused run game. Uh, you know, that, that was the talk from Rule why they fired Joe Brady, that they didn't run it 35 times a game. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing a lot more cam running, um, which, you know, maybe maybe the under's the play. You know, 42 and a half, that first game, there was 29 points scored, I think, 16-13. So, you know, maybe maybe you can could convince me to the under instead. Um, but yeah, I just don't see Atlanta scoring a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, I look at this, and, and Stephen, I'm sure you probably did the same way. I know you're not, you didn't play it straight up. I think you've got this thing in, in a teaser leg as well. But it, it, for me, I just don't think Carolina is where they sit right now. And again, if I kind of go back to my power rankings, I have these teams ranked fairly similarly when it comes down to it, and I'm getting three points with one of those teams. And if I'm getting three points with one of those teams that I have literally a spot or two apart, I'm going to take the full field goal every single time in a game like that. I mean, it, Cam Newton, yeah, they're going to run him more for sure. And that's going to be because they have to, because he is, he's as dreadful playing quarterback as, as we remember he, him being. And so it, it, now you, you know, now you, of course you don't have McCaffrey anymore. There, there's all kinds of things there. I think that are kind of moving against this, this Caroline team outside of just that defensive line, which again, yes, there is that defensive line there for this team, but this defensive line, for whatever reason, as good as they are and as good as the advanced stats, they say like they never really take over a game. That's the only thing that I've I've been waiting for for this Carolina defensive line all year long, which is to kind of like take over a game. And it's like next thing you know, they've got, you know, seven sacks and they have two forced fumbles and all these different things like that. That just doesn't happen with these guys. I don't know why, but I think we've got a big enough sample size now too to kind of buy into to some of this stuff. So um, for me, straight kind of power rankings straight kind of like how I view these two teams getting a field goal with two teams that I have just basically power ranked the the exact same so I'll I'll take the field goal Steven you just you opted to go ahead and just take it all the way up to eight and a half yeah I patented teaser leg here right through the three through the seven low total of 42 
Eli, our our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, notes that he's willing to trust the Falcons' defense, believe it or not, against the rush. They're allowing the fifth-fewest EPA per carry, and they're facing a bad offensive line without Christian McCaffrey, so he's going to take his chances against Cam Newton. So, it's really incredible, guys. Somehow, some way, Carolina has found the three worst quarterbacks in the league all on the same team. It was Sam Darnold earlier this year who we talked about having the worst stats we've seen in a very long time. And now they had a game with Cam Newton and P.J. Walker, both with a QBR under six. So poor Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, who was pretty <laughs> highly thought of, yeah. right? How about, and he's how about gone. That? How about that, right? Like, and he fired him on like at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, like like right when everyone's paying attention to like the NFL as well. It's like, you yeah. know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait till a lot of these marquee college coaching jobs have all been taken, and then I'm going to fire your ass on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and just and blame you for you Cam come. Newton and Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. Like, I mean, well, the offensive no, line, nobody. Nobody wants to work for Brian Kelly at LSU, so maybe Joe Brady can go and, and work for him there. But I mean, yeah, it was just a very strange situation. So apparently the reporting was that Matt Rule wanted him to run the ball more 30 to 35 times a game, probably because their quarterbacks suck ass yeah. and they didn't do it. And so so here we are. So if, if the head coach wants to run the ball more to try and mask the passing game and the lack thereof, and I'm getting eight and a half on the other side in the mm-hmm. teaser leg with a total of 42. It's, it sets up pretty nicely for me. So I'll let you guys debate on who's going to win the game and I'll just take <laughs> one side here more than a touchdown. Yeah, I, I it, listen, I have I have t- television priority as well. This one will be on kind of one of the bottom corner screens as far Your as the cathode as, ray yeah, tube TV. As far as that goes, I, I'm definitely not going to be jumping up and down about watching that one either. Lions on the road at the Denver Broncos as eight and a half to nine and a half. So there is shop around, as they say. Um, actually, this thing is eight at one of the books all the way to nine and a half. So there is like a really weird disconnect that you don't see very often uh, with these rest of country books here in the States. So eight at MGM, eight and a half at DraftKings, nine at three other books, and then one lone nine and a half at FanDuel. So like there is a a weird disparity in, in this one. 42 is the total across the board here. Lions, of course, get their win. They had, and boy, that... Steven, listen, I'm not going to sit here and try and handicap heart or handicap want or handicap <laughs> any of that stuff like that. But I can tell you, you see the videos from that locker room and and we did our fair share of making fun of Dan Campbell on the preseason podcast. They and, love them. And we made we did our fair share of, of, of talking about some of the things that he said and how goofy it sounded and all that. But those damn players love that guy. And I mean, love that dude. And. So, you know, you are going to get maximum effort out of this Lions team. That said, I mean, again, it is it's they're just so outmanned. They're just so outgunned at, at, at every single position here. Going to be without Swift again um, this week as well. It, it, you know, I don't like the Broncos. And I think if you're getting nine and a half at FanDuel, like you're getting to a point now where it's almost like just you have to make a play on the Lions. But uh, that being said, no, no, nothing in my account right now other than a very early in the week teaser leg on the Broncos took an eight down to a two that I did pair with that Seattle teaser leg as well. That was just kind of the the early week brain dead teaser leg. Some other things have popped up throughout the course of the week, but I do have that in the account, not jumping up and down about it, but I thought that this line might move and it and it certainly did. 
So I mentioned earlier that the Titans were a teaser leg that made me paranoid because I just don't think they were that valuable to begin with. Um, I did play Denver as a teaser leg at, uh, and I would suggest minus two and a half or better, obviously, to get it through the seven and the three. But this is the other one that has me a little hesitant because of the, all the things you just said about Detroit, right? They're playing hard for them and it fits nicely. It's a low total of 42 and both our senior writer, Mo Noir, our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, both like it as a teaser leg as well. I think they make good points that this secondary for Denver is not the depleted, terrible Minnesota secondary, right? Like the Denver secondary is going to should be able to at least shut down the total lack of wide receiver talent for the, for the Lions. It looks like they're not going to have DeAndre Swift again. So. I mean, since week eight, the Denver D top 10 in EPA and success rate allowed the Minnesota D that the Lions just beat is bottom 10. It fits nicely. I don't feel totally comfortable about it. I like other teaser legs better because, you know, I should I should be banned from the Dan, Mm. the man Campbell fan club after not backing him last week. How dare I doubt this man who has just been printing money for us against the spread all season long. But I I do agree with you. I think nine and a half. I'd play Detroit straight up. Um, on the prop side of things, they're not out yet on Thursday morning. Just something to to kind of keep in mind. Um, since Jerry Judy has come back, Cortland Sutton is like persona non grata on that team. Yeah. He has now he is like sitting. He's getting about like a ten percent target share since Jerry Judy came back in that lineup. So just about whatever they post this at it would almost be an underlook unless they just egregiously adjust what numbers have been getting posted on Cortland Sutton. So just something from a prop standpoint to keep in mind when those numbers do get posted. And by the time you're watching this or, or listen to this, they probably will be. So just keep that in mind. Cortland Sutton just getting absolutely no looks from Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater love affair with everybody else except for Cortland Sutton. Um, Brad, again, this thing started at eight. We've seen it run all the way to nine and a half at some of the books out there. Are the Broncos good enough to cover nine and a half against against this Lions team? Uh, I don't have a strong view. I would say that Jared Goff outdoors with his little tiny hands is potentially <laughs> potentially something to be worried about. Um, I would also say the Broncos. They won that. They won that game by success rate against mm-hmm. um, the Chiefs. I think they had forty-seven percent yeah. to forty-two percent. Obviously, they had that twenty-play drive, which ended in zero points, and I think that probably killed them. So, you know, potentially they're undervalued here, as you say that they've got the secondary that uh, who's getting open. I mean, Josh Reynolds has been getting like a hundred yards a game at the minute, so so maybe he's another prop one to look for the Lions because um, you know him, him and Goff know each other from the LA days. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't have a strong view any anything really. There was, uh, and just one other word, I mean, just one other thing to kind of like keep an eye on, like apparently there's a a flu bug that's going through the Lions locker room as well, which I I think is uh, not great. So certainly you want to, uh, to take a look at here um we got a little bit maybe they're the, just hung over yeah the quote is we got a little bit of sickness going around so we're trying to somewhat eradicate it if we can that is according to to dan campbell so he said we just kind of split off to where the offense is in the morning defense is in the afternoon so we can limit 
uh, everybody's exposure to one another, he is saying. Yeah, typically from working for an NFL team, guys, before the COVID era, when even with flu, if the, the, the general policy has been if you're sick, you don't come into the building mm-hmm. and risk spreading it to other players on the team. So any player that's probably sick for the Lions already is probably not even in the building this week. New York Giants on the road at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are 10-point favorites across the board here, a total of 43 this has come down off of 10 and a half I think 11s even were popping just for a little bit Uh, support for the Giants did come in and then some even more support for the Giants has come in because the Chargers are dealing with a COVID situation and then a COVID exposure situation in which uh, Keenan Allen was uh, put on the COVID list and with that Mike Williams was also put on the COVID list, but his was due to exposure to Keenan Allen. So there are their top two wide receivers, both questionable. Chris Harris, one of their better corners, also put on the COVID list due to exposure to um, to Keenan Allen as well. So that is what the Chargers are dealing with here. Now, the Giants, on the other hand, are dealing with something completely different, and that's the fact that they might have to start Jake Fromm at quarterback. So there, there is that, who they signed a week and a half ago to come in because uh, Mike Glennon is dealing with a concussion issue. So uh, all kinds of question marks in this one. That said, Brad, you do have a bet in your account on this one. Yeah, I took a little bit of Giants plus 10. Um, it, last I saw, it looked like Glennon would play. I think um, Judge said he, he could be act- activated Friday, um, which is obviously better than than Jake from. Um, then there's the questions about the, the LA receivers. Um, and then the other big thing I thought was the spot. Um, Thursday night football next week is... Um, Chiefs and Chargers, um, which is basically for the, for the AFC West. Um, so... I think it's very, very likely that the Chargers are going to be looking ahead to that game instead of, you know, as a 10-point home favour against the lowly Giants. Um, and then the last thing I thought potentially made the number too big was the New York Giants defence has been playing a lot better. They're up to eighth in, in past defence DVOA. Um, you know, they've, they've held down some some solid teams recently, the likes of the Chiefs, even the Eagles, uh, are a decent, decent offence and, and they've been playing well. So I think... You know, 10 points in a game where the Chargers may not have their top two weapons um, and probably not focusing on the game anyway. Um, I thought that was uh, worth a bet. Stephen, I I saw the thing about JoJo saying that he was optimistic about Glennon clearing, but then they also went and signed Clayton Thorson as a quarterback who they also went and signed as well. That's a real person, yes, apparently. Yes, Clayton Thorson. So there's that. So, I mean, they did have to go sign another quarterback because they're not all that confident, I guess, that he's going to be able to clear. The other thing that just worries me about this one back in the Giants, and and uh, since I won't have a bet on this, Godspeed to you uh, out there, Brad. I mean, listen, looks like, I mean, Kadarius Tony didn't practice again. Kenny Galladay didn't practice again. Sterling Shepard was extremely limited. Uh, it, there's just all kinds of, I don't know who, who how, the, how they move the ball, right? I mean, like it's almost to the point where it feels like the, the Chargers could score 17 and still cover the 10 in this one with the way things are going. So just a, a sit back and watch for me. Do you have an angle on this one at all? Here's my strategy on it. I bet it at plus 10 with this COVID news for mm-hmm. the Chargers. Uh, I need Mike Glennon to play. I am anticipating Keenan Allen is out. It was a positive Mm -hmm. test. He could get a couple negative tests because he is vaccinated, but we haven't really seen that. It's just the timeline's too quick for most of these guys to get those negative tests. 
I do think Chris Harris and Mike Williams are going to play. Uh, they were high-risk close contacts, so they have to be five days symptom-free th- and get negative tests to return. They haven't tested positive, so I, I do think there's a high chance that both of them do play and can get cleared by Saturday. If that's the case, I'm out of this bet, too. I mean, I bet this at one of those books that's pretty liberal with their cash-out options, and if if the things don't go my way with the Chargers' COVID situation, then I'm just going to cash out and get my full stake back. But that, that's kind of where I'm at with this. I will also note one more thing. Austin Eckler was limited Wednesday with an ankle injury. He's going to play, but doesn't seem like he's at 100% at this point. San Francisco 49ers on the road at the Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, 49ers are one to one and a half point road favorites over the Cincinnati Bengals. A total of 48 and a half to 49. We have bets on this game. Um... I don't have one. You two do. I would be on the other side if I were playing this against you guys, but I'm very curious as to the positioning. So, Stephen, you are on the 49ers as a point favorite. Go ahead. No, no, I'm on the other oh, side. Oh, you're on Cincinnati. Okay, then Brad is on. Okay, so good. We do have an oppo situation here. So, Brad, I'm going to start with you then, um, since since Stephen and I would be on the, on the Bengals side of things. You've got a San Francisco team that really the only way that they have been having any sort of success at all has been kind of through this power running thing. We saw what happened last week when they needed Jimmy G to actually be a quarterback in the NFL, and it was a complete and utter disaster. And so now they have to go sign Brian Hill at running back because Elijah Moore is going to be out. Trey Sermon's going to be out. Jeff Wilson's going to be out. Trenton Cannon is going to be out, which leaves them with Jamichael Hasty and Brian Hill at running back. And then so outside of that, you're going to be trusting Jimmy Garoppolo here. So defend your position on the 49ers, Brad. Um, well, I'm not hugely worried about running backs. I mean, Shanahan goes through running backs like hotcakes because his scheme is just ridiculously savage on 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 all of his players for some reason I, I guess you know I think the way he gets them moving they just seem to get demolished um but yeah like what's wrong with Jermichael Hasty? you you got a problem with, with Hasty? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't see why he, he couldn't carry the load like is he worse than Jeff Wilson for example every every running back that steps into that scheme behind Trent Williams you know it's, it's one of the best run blocking lines in the NFL one of the best schemes in the NFL. They, they punch huge holes in it. And this Bengals defense has not played anyone at all. They've, they've had pretty much the easiest schedule in the league. The, you know, they got shredded last week by the, the Chargers. Um, and they, they've not really played any other good offenses. So to me, I, I think the 49ers are going up and down the field. They're, I mean, there's a chance Debo comes back as well. Um, I, I would peg that. As a, above 50%. What do you, you look like you got something to say, Matt? Yeah, yeah. It, it, he was a DNP on Wednesday, but it was, it basically, uh, I think a lot we're going we're gonna to see in, throughout the course of the week. And honestly, that's the reason why I haven't put, put this bet in my account yet on the side of, of Cincinnati, because I think if Debo plays, that's a completely different scenario for this team and a completely different option. Um, but if he's not out there, I mean, listen, I, you're going to go, dude, you're going to place a bet strictly based off of one player. That's not even a quarterback. It's a, it's a damn wide receiver, but Debo Samuel is kind of like one of those deals where 
He's a weapon. He would be like, he's the MVP of a team that will never, ever win an MVP. But it's kind of like you look and you're like, this guy's been doing everything, right? I mean, like he, he is like the most valuable player on that team without any question whatsoever. And so um, I, that's the reason that bet didn't get in my account so far is because I um I am waiting on that Debo Samuel news. If, if he were if he were to go probably just to sit back and I'll uh, I'll take this one in as, as a spectator. But if he doesn't go. Uh, I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo whatsoever. I just I, I I don't do that. I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to to New England Patriots uh, versus the Bills, um, the Cincinnati team. So I don't think they'll be able to do that. And so um, I, I don't trust him there. So you're not worried then whether Debo plays or not. Um, well, I mean, I bet it. So obviously, <laughs> I, I prefer he was in there. But I mean, I feel like Kittle, George Kittle is enough. Um, Brandon Ayuk is enough. Um, and as, as I say, the running backs, I, mm. I suppose I don't see that the Cincinnati defense, the, what they're, they're 27th in adjusted sack rate. They're 31st in, um, well, I'm not, sorry, I'm looking at the, looking at the wrong number there. Let me, who they're not. Oh, sorry. Great. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're 28th in, in pass, pass rush win rate, 22nd in run stop win rate, despite having the top three easiest schedule in the NFL. And then you've got the San Francisco offense who, as I say, they've got one of the best run blocking offensive lines, the fourth in offensive DVOA. So I don't really think Jimmy G will have to do much. I think he'll have to hit his, you know, 20 passes over the middle to, to George Kittle. Um, but I think he's happy to do that. Now, I suppose where I am more concerned is this 49ers secondary where they lost Emmanuel Mosley and they're getting a bit thin at corner against, you know, a good fleet of wide receivers. Um, you know, you're going to have Josh Norman on, um, on Jamar Chase, right. which is not really a matchup I like. Um, but I also don't think the Bengals can necessarily, necessarily block Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead either. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, th- this is, um, Stephen, if you look at this, this Bengals defense, I mean, it's a Jekyll and Hyde defense for sure, right? I mean, they like either show up or they completely do not show. I mean, like if you look at how they've gone throughout the course of the year, it has been a team that has gone out and you're like, oh, okay, they've really got this thing figured out. They give up 10 points to the Steelers. They give up 13 points to the Raiders. They give up um, they go 17 to the Ravens earlier in the year. The Lions only score 11. The Steelers the first time only scored 10 against them as well. And then the other times they're, they're giving up 34, 30, you know, 30 plus points every single game and so um very very up and down performances from this i think the thing the other thing and i'm sure you're going to mention this in in your handicap here the only thing that is is also kind of keeping me off this as well is the fact that we did see joe burrow in a ton of pain on the sideline this past week with a pinky injury that um last time i checked it's pretty important to have a pinky when you're throwing a football so i I, um that that also has me a little bit worried on the cincinnati side of things as well but apparently not as important as a middle finger like Russell Wilson, because Joe did come back and throw the ball fairly well, despite that that pinky injury. So I, I don't I'm not concerned about Joe in his hand to Brad's point. The most important question I asked myself for this game as a 49ers fan myself do running backs matter for this particular 49ers team? Because I agree that traditionally they haven't mattered under Kyle Shanahan. But I think Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel being the change of pace running back for the past three games he's been healthy, I think they do matter. Let's start with Eli Mitchell. He's been excellent 
among the best in the league in yards after contact. Shanahan has made him the bell cow. He's in the concussion protocol. He had a knee irritation that prompted an MRI. So we'll see if he plays. If he clears the protocol, I think he will play, but we don't know if he will. His production this year, 4.6 yards per carry, is despite an offensive line that is 19th and 20th in adjusted line yards and run block win rate. And I think Debo Samuel also mattered to the run game. I mean, he was averaging five to eight rushes a game for he's averaging more than eight yards per carry this year in the run game. Um, I'm not as confident he is going to play. He's got that groin injury. And the reason I say that is because when asked about a linebacker this week returning to practice, Shanahan said that he expects him to return to practice. But when asked about Debo, he said he it was too early to tell. So he didn't use the same language. So that casts more doubt for me that Debo is actually going to play. We'll see. Uh, Jeff Wilson is also banged up. You mentioned Jermichael. He's the he was the fifth string running back yeah. at this point for the Niners. And based on the offensive line play, I don't think it's just plug and play to go from Eli Mitchell to Jermichael Hasty. So now if those two guys are out, and I think they are huge factors here for this offense. You are relying on Jimmy Garoppolo if they're out to win this game. And on the other side, you're asking with Emmanuel Mosley out, who was their best corner, who still wasn't a top 40 cornerback by PFF grades. So now you got a bunch of worse corners to try and slow down Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. So I think the Bengals have the biggest advantage in this game with their receivers and quarterback against a very bad 49er secondary. I like the Bengals if those two guys are out and I actually like them a lot if those two guys are out. Yeah, I, I kind of get um, I, I hate I hate sitting here going like if this, if that, if that, if this, I understand that, that doesn't isn't incredibly helpful for people. But they matter a lot for people listening. But there is that. I mean, but then on the Bengals side of things as well. So Riley Reef missed last week. He is expected back at practice this week. But, you know. I expect that I'm going to wake up to a million dollars in a suitcase outside of my front door every morning. And I, that doesn't happen. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be, uh, you know, T Higgins came out of that thing. It came out of that game last week with a little bit of an ankle injury. So there's like a lot of factors here that are swirling around that. I think this is probably going to be, if this is a bet for me, specifically where it sits right now at the line, right? Like, I mean, only sitting at one, it's not going to get out of territory for me if I wait a little bit here and and try and yeah. figure out what I'm going to get in this game. And so it'll be a wait and see for me as far as where I'm going to go. Buffalo Bills at the Tampa Bay Bucks, maybe the game of the week. Maybe Monday night has something to say about that. Bucks are three, three and a half point home favorites here over the Buffalo Bills. I am on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that this team is at this point vastly superior to this Buffalo Bills team. We saw, and I understand you can sit here and say like, Matt, 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 weather conditions, weather conditions, jump up and down and scream about weather conditions that the Bills this past week, the way that they looked. This is not the first time that we've seen this Bills defense get absolutely bullied in a game. This is not the first time that we've seen this Bills defense get absolutely embarrassed in a game. We have seen this multiple times this year. And on top of that, we've also seen this offense be completely, completely stagnant at times as well. So I think in just about every single facet, just about every single aspect of this game, I like the Bucks. Um, Brad, tell me if tell me tell me I'm wrong here. Why why do I have such a love affair with the Bucks in this game? 
Uh, I think they're the best team in the NFL. So I, th- I think you're entitled to have a love affair and Brady's very handsome. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm confident that the, I'm confident the Bucks score essentially. Um, you know, the, the, the Bills defense has faced the easiest schedule of opposing offenses in the entire league. Th- 32. They, they've faced one good passing offense this year, one top 10, and that was the Chiefs who, as we've said before, they were literally built in the offseason to stop. Now they're missing Tredavious White, their top corner, their second and third corners, you know, obviously that all trickles down and then they're not good. Levi Wallace is like the secondary corner and, and he's not particularly good. So it, it, they don't have people to run with Godwin, Evans and Gronk. Um, meanwhile, it looks like the Bucks are now keen on pressing that this advantage. They're throwing at the highest rate in the league. They're running no huddle at the highest rate in the league. They're the second fastest offense in the NFL over the last month, right? They're just all out attack at the minute mm-hmm. and I, I really don't see what the Bills have to stop them like the, you know the Bucks offensive line is, is one of the best in the league you know we talk about so I talk about that they can throw all over them here we've also seen that you know these tough physical teams like the Colts and the Patriots they can mm-hmm. run on the Bills too well, the Bucks have that offensive line to do that if they wanted yeah. to I'm, I think they could go at five yards a carry if they wanted to so yeah I just see them going up and down the field here really um the other side of the ball is a bit more of a question mark because I'm still not sold on the Bills' offense. You know, still middle of the pack in DVOA and, and other metrics like that. And the Bucks, a they've got some injuries again in the secondary, and b they like they like a blitz. And I would say the, the kind of it, the the rule with the Bills now is that you want to play cover two, rush mm-hmm. four, um, and make Josh Allen you know progress down the field. But that's not really how the Bucks play. So, so maybe they could catch them with some explosive plays. But um, yeah, I'll, I would look at a Bucks team total. Um, twenty-eight and a half is widely available. Um, you know, if you can find a twenty-seven and a half, that would be perfection. So uh, I know you were looking at maybe this game on both sides here, Stephen. So as you are caught in your as you are caught in your I don't know how to play this game. Uh, talk us through your thought process here as to why you don't know whether you want to go uh, lay the points or take the points. A lot of it is the Bucks secondary and who's going to be on the field, admittedly. Uh, I'm going to be watching that injury report very closely this week to see if if those guys are going to be playing. Uh, Jamel Dean is a top six cornerback. Carlson Davis is top 25 cornerback by PFF grade. Their safety, Jordan Whitehead, is not practicing again after, I believe, a concussion. Um, so if they're out there, I think they should be able to handle this Buffalo offense that has regressed from last year enough to for the Bucks to cover three. If they're not out there, then Buffalo plus three and a half is really interesting to me because they should be able to pass the ball. We've seen over and over again this year when Tampa is missing some of these key players in the secondary that they give up a lot in the passing game. What matters to me more, though, is Buffalo. It didn't matter last week their first game without Tredavious White at corner because of the weather conditions. It's going to matter a lot this week. I mean, he's one of the best corners in the league, and now they're going to have to face Mike Evans and Chris Godwin without him. And two of their remaining three cornerbacks for Buffalo are outside the top 60 in PFF grades. So, Matt, I know at this point in the season, looking at what the preseason line really doesn't matter much, but I think it's interesting in this particular case, the Bucks were minus four on the preseason line, and that's when we assumed full health for both teams. The Bucs is a Super Bowl champ coming back with their entire roster intact. And at that point, we assumed Buffalo was going to be the elite offense that they were last year. Well, what's changed? 
Tampa Bay is, if they have their defenders back, basically still the same team. They're elite in a lot of these offensive metrics. They have a an intact defense if these guys play. But to Brad's point, Buffalo, I think, has regressed a lot, both offensively and also stopping the run defensively. And the line has moved away from the Bucs from the preseason line. So that, to me, signals potential value on the Bucs minus three if their secondary is intact. Yeah. And the other thing here is like, you know, one of the one of the things that the Bucks, I mean, that the Bills just kind of always have in their back pocket is that Josh Allen's a big athletic quarterback that can run and be athletic and stuff like that. Well, you know, one of the one of the ways that you can counteract that is you have a Devin White sitting there at linebacker who runs a four four two, and Josh Allen ain't running away from Devin White like that. That ain't happening, right? Like he he ain't getting past that 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 part of that offense for the Bills team. I think is not something that we can sit here and like focus on. I've heard a couple of people say like, yeah, well they need to run Josh Allen more, and maybe overall they do, and maybe overall they should have this past week against the Patriots, and maybe that was a strategy that that they really whiffed on here. I don't know if that's the best strategy here. Like I said, I mean, if you want Josh Allen taking a bunch of hits from 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 Devin White, good on you. But that's probably not going to end very well. So I don't think that that's an advantage for this team this week either. So I, I, I do. I, I like the Bucks a lot in this one. I loved putting that three in my account, and um, I will. Uh, I, I think I, I think come Sunday afternoon, I'll be feeling pretty good that that bet was in. Matt, with that being said, I think. There might be a buy opportunity on Bill's futures after this week because I, I think the NFC teams are a lot tougher than the AFC path. I think we can shoot holes in a lot of those AFC teams. And I actually like the Bills better if they get out of Buffalo for playoff games, right? They don't have to even worry about that. I mean, maybe they have an AFC championship game in Foxborough, but like, give me these these this Bills passing offense on the road. So we might be getting a decent buy low number here for futures. And the last thing I'll say... Nobody runs on the Bucks, right? Like we know that at this point. Some most teams don't even try because of how good their D-line is. And there was a game last year when Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator against Seattle, literally handed it off to a running back twice in an entire half against Seattle. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if he completely abandons the run in this game. So I'm going to be looking very closely at some potential props here on like Josh Allen pass attempts, on some reception totals for some key guys in this passing a game for Buffalo. Uh, th- that I think just is the most pass funnel heavy defense that they'll face in the league. Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. None of us have a bet on this game. None of us probably have an incredible amount of uh, opinion on this one because it's a weird total 12, 12 and a half in favor of the Packers at home against the Bears. The Bears are going to go with Justin Fields in this game. Um, why not? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Your season's over at this point. If he's healthy enough to play, get him the reps and uh, and let him go play here. Of course, the Packers are coming off of a bye. Um, they are trying to still shoot for that number one seed in the NFC. So they are certainly going to uh, be giving this the the full effort here. A total of 43 in this one. Um, Steven, look, this was the first game I crossed off of the board this week no interest one way or the other um do do you have any angles here no no angles here but 
I do have a Packers angle because I love them minus two at Baltimore next week on the look ahead. I mean, the Ravens will have gone through a gauntlet at that point, having faced three division opponents, one coming off a bye, and now they face a Packers team that I think is in the mix of this, like, if the Bucs are the best team, then there's a hell of a lot of teams that we can have arguments about on who the second best team is. And the Packers are potentially getting three all-pro players back in their lineup here over the next week or two. So love the Packers minus two at Baltimore on the look ahead for next week. Uh, Brad, I I know there's no bet in your account. I I see what you've got in there so far, but uh, any quick thoughts here on Bears Packers? Um, No line seemed fair. I would say Justin Fields is going out there with broken ribs or, you know, healing ribs. I think he said he would play through the pain. I feel like the Packers are quite well out, well set up to stop him. Um, you know, he, he wants to throw deep and they want to stop you throwing deep. So is, is he going to be a patient enough to, to work through that? I don't know. And then the other thing is just you bet on Rodgers to cover at home throughout his career and he's been an absolute ATM machine. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I would lean Packers, but uh, no strong views really. Yeah, basically, if, if someone said you have to bet this game, I mean, yeah. I would I'd lay the points, but it's certainly not any anything that I'm uh, that I'm Man, interested not in. A, this one. Matt, it's yeah. not a typical teaser leg, but would you tease this down to minus six and a half for the Packers? I mean, if I was playing, the only problem is, is just there's just so many other options this week that like fit so well yeah. that like, yeah, I mean, in a weird week where I didn't have anything, maybe I would do play kind of one of those unconventional type deals. But in a week like this, I don't I don't have to. I mean, listen. Guys, one of the advantages that we have as betters, right, is they have to post all the games, but we don't have to bet them all. So um, <laughs> I, I think that we can just kind of move on. I don't from, subscribe to that philosophy from, for, for the record. From this. <laughs> Monday Night Football, the Los Angeles Rams, Arizona Cardinals, the kind of co-game of the week here outside of the Bills and the Bucks. Right now, the Cardinals, as we record this, the Cardinals are two or two and a half point home favorites over the Rams. 51, 51 and a half is your total. The Rams are taking money, guys. This opened at three, gets down to two and a half. Now it's at two at several of the books out there. The Rams continue to take a bunch of money in this one. I think we are in a case here and we shall see. It'll see if we're all in agreement here. I think we're in a case where people just don't want to believe in this Arizona Cardinals team, want to continue to grasp at their at their preseason priors so heavily on this Los Angeles Rams team, which isn't, by the way, the same team that it was when you made your priors because Robert Woods is an, a huge factor and is a huge, huge part of that offense. And it is not a plug and play with Odell Beckham in this offense for what Robert's Robert Woods did for this team. And so you you look here for me, we saw last week, this was what I did last week. And the reason I didn't play that game outside of a teaser with the Cardinals last week is because I wanted to see, are we getting the Kyler Murray experience? Did we get the full Kyler Murray experience? And he was scrambling around. He was creating time. He was running. He was not afraid. If he needed to go pick up three or four yards, he went and picked up three or four yards with his feet. We got the full Kyler Murray experience, which is what I wanted before I really came in and started back in this team. Um, Brad, I took the two uh, with the Cardinals in a prove me wrong spot with this Rams team. Prove me wrong, Rams, that you, if you can go out and you can compete with the big boys instead of uh, beating up on the teams that you should beat up on and then and then losing to these to these teams with a pulse, then then by all means. But I think it's about high time that we take this Cardinals team seriously. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I said it last week. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFL as well. Proper Super Bowl contender. Um, I, th- I think if you're looking at season-long statistics or, you know, you're trying to model this game, I think you probably you probably come out on the Rams side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you'd probably lean that way. But I think, I think that's kind of wrong. So let's look at... So when Murray's in there, um, he is the, he's the best quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. by EPA. Um, and he's progressed this year where he is reading defences, like, you know, he's going through progressions. And then if it's not there, then he's got this insane Sonic the Hedgehog stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And it's quite rare you see, like, the true dual-threat quarterback. And, you know, it's like the Cam Newton offense of 2015 where it's it's almost unstoppable because you, ha- you just have the extra man. And if you, if you have good receivers and you can do everything, it's, it's just very hard to stop. Um, and then this, you know, this Cardinals defense, best in the NFC by DVOA, um, best in the NFL by EPA per dropback allowed on defense. So to me, they're, they're, they're kind of better than the Rams on offense and defense. Um, just quickly on the Rams, one, you know, obviously they, they smashed the Jaguars last week, which yeah, you do, right. have a lollipop. But before that, they lost three three in a row to, to good teams, uh, you know, lost by... Fourteen to the Titans or twelve to the Titans, lost by twenty-one to the Rams, lost by twelve to the Packers. That that that's the caliber of team that the the Cardinals are. Um, you know, throughout his career, Stafford has kind of choked in the big games. Essentially, or he, he's not won the big games. He, he's still banged up. He's going to be getting blitzes at him all over the place. He doesn't have Robert Woods. The interior of the offensive line was a huge problem. Um, you know, particularly against the Titans. Um, two of them are banged up. I think the centre and, and one of the guards is banged up this week. They might not play. So, you know, banged up Stafford's going to have all sorts of pressure in his face. Um, yeah, I just think the line is wrong, essentially. Yeah. And and listen, again, not in the, in the you know, do running backs matter argument and all that stuff, Stephen? I mean, again, these teams will kind of tip their hand earlier in the week. Makai Sargent got promoted from the practice squad for the Rams. Of course, we saw Daryl Henderson didn't play last week, even though he was suited up. He didn't he didn't play. That probably doesn't bode well for him playing this week as well. So it'd be like the Sony Michelle show. Let's not forget that Daryl Henderson wasn't even supposed to be the starting running back for this team to begin with this year. And so we've we're now kind of again, we, we keep talking about this like now it's a pecking order thing. So starter down backup down now we're down to sony michelle if anything were to happen to him now we have makai Sargent who's going to be out there um as far as that goes so just some other things to consider here as you as you start handicapping this game and again it's just not a one-for-one trade-off with with odell and robert woods and i understand robert woods was never mentioned in the same breath as odell beckham when you know in in both of their prime but robert woods played a a pretty vital role for this rams team and Matthew Stafford was was while he wasn't peppering him with targets, he was peppering him with important targets. And those uh, those are gone now. And so I don't know, man, this 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 Rams team to me and like I got tons of futures on them. I hope they get it right. I hope they figure things out. But um, I don't think it, I don't think this is the game for it. First of all. Brad comparing Kyler Murray to Sonic Hedgehog is like the best fucking thing I've heard all year. Like, you know how you used to turn on the old Sega Genesis and they go, it would go Sega. Like every time Kyler does something good now, I'm just going to be thinking in my head, (laughs) Kyler. So that awesome. I love that. Uh, let's let's answer the question though of why the Rams are taking money this week. Right. Brad mentioned season long metrics. If you look at closing lines as well, 
you can't be better for the Cardinals than maybe even for these two teams. And I think most respectable power ratings actually have the Rams slightly ahead based on closing lines. So that's important because the NFL is the most efficient market in sports betting. And secondly, if you do take a closer look at the Rams recent three game losing streak before they just beat the Jags. In those three losses, they were basically even or they won the yards per play battle in all three of those losses. They had crippling turnovers that decided that game. So potentially some positive regression here if Matthew Stafford could stop throwing the ball like an idiot and his receivers can stop dropping balls that lead to interceptions. So potentially some positive regression there. Uh, I do think that we do see more Sony Michelle. I think Sean McVay wants a running back that he can hand it to 20 times per game. And I don't think Daryl Henderson is that guy. And the Rams, Rams running game, fourth in adjusted line yards, fifth in run block win rate, top three in early down EPA and success rate. Arizona 31st by PFF grade in rush D, 29th in run stop win rate. So... They don't have to rely necessarily on Matthew Stafford to keep this game close as long as he doesn't have another crippling turnover. And you guys know I love Arizona. Like, I've been preaching about them all season long. They've been awesome. I just think it's more of a coin flip game um, based on these factors. I would only bet Arizona minus two and a half or better if forced to take a side in this game. But... I think the value for me is more on the Rams plus eight and a half teaser leg here. And that's that's the angle I opted for as opposed to trying to take a side on the spread. But I'm with you guys. I love Arizona for the rest of the season, even if they potentially don't win this game. Yeah, it'll be this is this game is going to be fascinating. I'm so glad it's an island game. I'm so glad it's a game that we'll be able to just focus in on and really see what these two teams are made out of. It's a little early in the week um, still for us with this being a Monday night game. So we injury reports still haven't really come through and we hadn't really figured out how that's going to be. So, again, if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, we'll have a standalone video for the Monday night football game. So be sure and come and and check that out as well guys um i can't believe like i said i can't believe it's week 14 in the nfl really felt like this is just flying by here but uh look we're making some money here we had a couple of rough rough weeks there back to back but uh we we bounced back pretty well here and for the majority of the year i think we've been doing doing pretty good and calling these games so hopefully we continue here in week 14 as well if you want to follow steven on the twitter machine at steven anders one you want to follow brad at brad allen nfl you want to follow me at matt brown m2 and of course Subscribe to everything that we do, whether it be the podcast, whether it be the YouTube channel, do all that. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, leave us comments, all the different things like that. We do appreciate you guys supporting all of the content. For Steven, for Brad, I'm Matt. Good luck in week 14. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 